We're doing this series, uh, I'm calling the Age of Anxiety. I got, you know, bothered by hearing this just thrown around so much, thrown around, maybe not the right word, but used over and over and over again. And I just started thinking about it. I started thinking about when I was young, um, I suppose it was a word that I heard a time or two, but then I started realizing, just hear that over and over and over again. And then, uh, and then you started hearing about it, not just with people or adults that maybe have all kinds of adult problems, but then you start hearing about it with students and college age, and then you start hearing younger and younger. And, and um, so I just said, I have to, I have to dive into this. And um, I, I have some opinions about, and, and I'll leave them as my opinions, that um, I think we're accepting anxiety as um, something that's been handed to us too often. And I'm not an expert and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to try to act like that, but bear with me for a minute. Um, because I was listening to some people who had talked about this and how they have problems and they go to get help with their problems and immediately a, some sort of drug is introduced. Now, um, I acknowledge, and this person who went through this whole thing acknowledged that there is some places of legitimacy, and so I'm not here to discount any of that. But if you do any reading, your mind is blown at the high, like the astronomical, there'd be a good word, use of drugs to medicate us out of our problems and our anxiety and all these other things. So I'm not here to judge. I, I, I don't know everybody's situation. But I, what I do recognize in our society is we've just reached for um, sometimes an overly easy fix or something to just get us out of feeling this way in a short-term way. Um, there's a scripture in Matthew, it says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And one of the results that we are reaping from a society that is turning more towards um, what, what they call science and away from God, faith, these things, is you don't have answers for internal things. Just think what I'm saying. If you're just a machine, if you're just a body that just has muscle and tissue, it doesn't, doesn't matter if I treat you terribly because you're just a machine. You don't have any inner reaction. If, if there's a robot and you treat them terribly, right? Does anybody have one of those vacuum things that cleans your house? And you just call them an idiot... He just keeps vacuuming because it has no soul. Does that help? We're not just vacuums. We have an interior, and this is a very important thing. The interior, the soul, the real you needs nourishment, needs something. 
And if we only address the external, uh, I was listening to a doctor who got, who got busted and he was doing this. He was treating everybody medically out in Hollywood and he became known as Dr. Hollywood. He became famous out there, made boatloads of money by writing prescriptions legally to give people drugs that were legal. And of course, as you know, it's become an absolute epidemic in our society. And, and one of the things that we maybe should do is stop accepting this so easily. And one of the things maybe that we need to do, I'm getting ready to read this passage here, is we need to challenge what we've been told and given. So this is where it really started to bother me. I would hear these younger kids going, I have anxiety, and I would just... I would cringe a little bit. I'm not a doctor, okay? So don't throw me, don't email me, just listen for a minute. Uh, I, but it would just, I would cringe because you, what does that mean when you're in seventh grade? I mean, when you're in seventh grade, you got problems, you got things to worry about and think about, and yes, you got stress and all that. But one of the things that we maybe should shift is starting to tell young students, ready? Life is hard. Because if you tell them life's a cupcake ride, and then when they get into life and it's not a cupcake ride, they have, they, then they have to go talk, and then they get diagnosed, and then, first thing, ready? Life's hard. Life is hard. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Let's start there. But... Take heart. You have to have both halves of that together. If you just tell people, oh, it's great, Every God, God's going to take care of all your problems. If you start with the just have heart, then you miss the whole equation. You have to have both halves of it. In this world, you will have trouble. And so you're grounded in reality. And you can accept that sometimes you're going to get cut from the team. Sometimes you're, you're going to get a bad grade and you did better than the kid across the Paul, who wasn't studying as hard as you, and he got a a better grade than you did. Does anybody see any tones of reality here? Uh, This person got the job that you worked harder for. Anybody? Yes. That is what you call life. That's how life works. And we aren't here to contribute to make it more unfair or more unreasonable. That's not what our job is. But you have to start with acceptance. This is how it is. And then we have to stop treating everything as if we are not a soul. That I can just fix this so everything can be fixed with this you know, vacuum robot with a wire or a battery or something. You can't just be fixed with a wire or a battery. Man doesn't live on bread alone. There's got to be something from the mouth, as he said, from the mouth of God. Something that goes interior. And so we've been launching from this passage in Philippians, which I think is a good place to anchor this series. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Strong words. By the way, I've said from the beginning, I'm not saying that, A, this is simple, easy, or unacceptable. I think all of us worry or have some form of anxiety about some things. What I'm trying to fight is this, a, capitulating to it, and, and B, 
recognizing that there is, there's a way out of this. Paul wrote this, as we said, from prison. From prison for doing good. And he can write, don't be anxious, but there's, a, there's, there's something to do. With prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Being thankful. One of the things that, that needs to happen for us to get off of anxiety is gratitude. And gratitude is, uh, it's easy to skip. It's just, it's just easy to skip over because you have so, and I, we have so many things that go right every single day. Just a quick survey. Everybody that's in the room, if you're online, I don't know how to survey you exactly right now, but if you're in the room and you turned on the water today and it worked, just put your hand up. Just put it up just for fun, for grins. I, th I think we're batting 100%. Every person in this room, they turned the water on and it worked. Well, that's just water. Hmm. Just water. How about I go home and turn it off for you? Or how about I contaminate it for you? All of a sudden, every single thing in your life will stop and recenter on that and only that thing. That's just one thing. The water worked. In other words, we just get past that. Did I didn't. Did anybody say, thank you, God, that uh, the faucet worked? I, I didn't. I assume it should work. Why? Because I'm so wonderful. My, my faucet should work. But it's, you get my point? And then you skip over the next one and the next one and the next thing. So I can take you places in the world where they would give anything for the one well that they have to walk to from their village for 20 minutes to work. When they get there, there's joy and celebration as they pump into their buckets, put them on their head, carry them back home. But what we are being fed, instead of, so man doesn't live on bread alone, but what comes from the mouth of God, I think that's a good from the mouth of God, be thankful every day. What we're being fed is the opposite. Here's something to worry about. Here's something that you aren't getting. Here's something negative to think about. Here's something else negative to think about. We are being fed a constant overloading diet of negativity. You're eating that. Who here... Um, who here uh, understands that when you feed your body something, it affects your body? You can feed your body something good, and it's going to have a positive effect. You can feed your body something poor, and it's going to have a negative effect on your body. It's just how it works. And you can cheat a little bit, you know, and squeeze a little something. Maybe it doesn't affect you. But if you relentlessly feed your physical body um, bad food, bad things are going to happen. What, what Jesus is 
teaching here is man doesn't live on bread alone. It's not just about feeding this. It's about feeding this. And this is feeding on something. This is feeding on something. Something is filling your heart. Something's filling your heart. And if you let all of the messages just jump right in there, great, great scripture, Proverbs 4, I think 23. Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Your heart is where your life springs from. One of the, one of the great things is watching little three-year-old Charlie just be happy and full of life. Just run around, just so excited. The other day we were at a graduation party for one of the friends and family of Orchard Grove. And Charlie, you know, gets into their house and starts getting into trouble. And she finds this little, like, toy, slinky thing. And, and, and the dad said to me, I was like, put that down, Charlie. And she wanted to play with it so bad. And it's just a bunch of wires, but it had colors, beads on it, you know. And, and he goes, oh, she can play with it. And I go, well, she'll probably ruin it. And he goes, ah, I don't care. And she was having so much fun with this little thing. And then he, they finally said, well, you can just take that home. You would have thought we bought her a Tesla Roadster. <laughs> really? You know, and the joy that just bubbles up. Why? Because in this heart, you live from your heart. You ever been really happy, just excited? It's coming from your heart. Above all else, guard that. That's the wellspring of life. And when you aren't guarding it, you're just letting anything go in there. Unchecked, unregulated, unguarded, unprotected. I think that's one of the starting places for freeing ourselves from anxiety is guard what's going in there. Now, you can't, um, you can't help every thought that comes into your head. So you have, you have messages, right? This is a message from what I saw online or what I saw on television or what I heard on the radio. Those are external messages, right? And you have to, you have to guard those. You have to filter those. Please say yes. You don't have to, but please do. I mean, you have to. But there's more. Internal manufactured thoughts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The little voice in there? It's not connected to anything. Oftentimes, not connected to reality, starts telling you things. And you have to filter that as well. So what do you do when your head just tells you, just throws something at you? Well, this is really going to be bad. You know, I know, I know your boss really doesn't like you. And, you know, the way he looked at you the other day, and you start extrapolating all these things. Anybody? And, you know, come to find out three weeks later, your boss just found out his wife had cancer. That's why he was staring at the floor during the meeting. You get what I'm saying? But your mind is like, he's not looking at me because he's mad at me. Because, and you make up this whole thing. This is how the mind goes. Please tell me you've been on a mind trip at once in your life. I mean, that one. Because you're being honest if you, if you admitted it. You go on a mind trip. And you start telling yourself all these things. And then anxiety comes in as this, well, what if this? And the, what about this? None of it attached to reality. But it's human nature. That's why we all, well, most of us are willing to acknowledge it. What do you do? Paul goes on. This is what's really important, I think. What do you do? Um, and the peace of God, with it, 
you replace it with prayer, and then you replace it with thanksgiving, and you replace it with new thoughts. We're going to talk about the new thoughts. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind, will protect it. Let me, be, let me say this one more time so I don't get misunderstood. What I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying I'm against medication. I, I mean, I don't happen to take much medication personally, but that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that there's, there aren't legitimate cases because I'm not a doctor and I'm sure that there are. But what I'm, I'm saying is there is a staggering amount of drugs being thrown at things. I think, this is just my opinion, because we haven't taken care of the, we don't teach this stuff anymore. We're teaching everybody that everything is just material, that you're just a material being, that you aren't spiritual, that you don't have a soul, that there is no God. That's what the community is trying to force, and we're reaping the consequences of it. So, of course, you don't pray if you don't believe in God. Why would you pray? Of course, you can't have the peace of God. You can't have transcendence because that kind of stuff doesn't exist. So Paul says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Remember that wandering mind? You got to go, all right, what part of that just 20-minute conversation I had with myself in my head is actually true? You're like, well, about 4% of it. That's the only part was true was my boss was looking down at the floor. That's the only part that's true. He was looking down. I have no idea why. Whatever is true, here's the things to think about. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, think about those things. So speaking of junk food... um, uh, boy, I'm raising, I'm raising a, a challenge. Do, do you have my little packet over there? I think I said it there. It's this little food packet. Um, do you mind? Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. Um, and uh, Charlie's new thing is like, Dad, I want special. And what that means is I want junk food. I, I want a donut. I want a piece of candy. I want some chocolate. I want special. And so... The, so uh, it's gotten out of hand, you know, and so they can't have talks. We got to, we got to arrest this problem right now, you know, and so we're we're trying all of these things. We're we're trying very hard to be good parents, okay, and uh, struggling like everyone else. But um, we we go yesterday and we're to a graduation, another graduation, and um, um, our niece graduated from college. The neighbor comes over and has a a boy Charlie's age, and they, they start playing together. And they're in the yard, and he's got a little truck, a little John Deere thing, and they're going all over, and they're having a great time. And then we had to get going to the next grad party, and um, I said, Charlie, we got to go, and she didn't want to go. And then I, um, I you know, I wa- it wasn't a, a total bribe, but I guess I don't, it was. Anyway, I don't know. We, we hadn't eaten the ice cream yet, and I'm thinking, we're, we're going to eat it anyway. I can just get this done quicker. I'm like, you are getting ready to have ice cream. And she's like, okay. And she gets up and she, and she invites the, the boy. I says, you know, invite him. You can have some too. And so he, he, uh, she invites him. And, and then the dad was standing over here and he goes, um, um, well, let, let me, you know, he's never had ice cream. He's almost four. Right. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I'm such a, 
bad parent. I, and he has never had ice cream. And so sure enough, he, he goes, I'll go get him a popsicle. So he goes home and gets a popsicle. I thought, well, that's okay. That's good. And uh, his popsicle was, then he pulls it out. It's not a store popsicle. It's a homemade popsicle. And it's I come to find out it's made out of coconut water. And I'm just feeling like, <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? Loser dad, loser dad. I'm just shoving the ice cream in her face, and he's sucking on a coconut water. But good on him, right? I mean, he's figured out a thing. But here's the thing, here's the thing that we are figuring out. You've got to have something ready. He had something ready. He had something ready. And, uh, like, this is, uh, no, I know it's not exactly, and uh, please don't judge, just I'm telling it says carrots, zucchini, and pear. Nothing else, nothing else. Carrots, zucchini, and pear. Are you judging or is it okay? I know, I know it's better if she chewed on it, but cake. Well, what about this? But if, here's the thing. If you don't have it ready, what are they going to do? You're going to take what's there. You've got to have something. The replacement needs to be what? Ready. And good on that dad. He was like, oh, I got this. I got this. Here's the thing. When the things come to your mind, this is where I'm getting, and they're going to come. It's going to start to get you, oh, be anxious about, oh, you got to worry about this, oh, this, this. There's all these things. You, you start, you have the replacement ready, right? A very old school thing that if you've been to church a long time, people would tell you to do were things like this. Memorize some scripture. Memorize some scripture. What I kid about is the refrigerator verses. Put these up there, right? Put the, put the big ones up there. Don't be anxious about anything, right? Um, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, right? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You just keep going and going and going. Uh, not because you're some kind of spiritual elite, but because when the, when the wrong stuff comes, a replacement really helps. Why? Because your mind's wanting to eat. Is your mind always trying to eat something? Always wants to devour. Give me something else. And you go to work and they're like, but then what else did he do after he looked at the floor? Huh? Was he looking at his phone? Was he looking at his phone? And you want to consume something. You want to make some story of it. That's how the mind works. The replacement does this. I got something else here. And Jesus was in the storm and he slept on a cushion. Right? Here's the chaos. Here's the cushion. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. When this comes, you've got to have the what? The replacement at the ready. I don't know if, if we're, you're totally getting this because I think if you start to understand that if you don't have it ready, the longer that you don't have the replacement thought, because you can't think about 70 things. You can actually really think about one thing, but they can come and go real quickly. But when the, when the negative comes, if you have the replacement ready, you're like, oh, no, no, no. You remember when Jesus gets tempted, he goes into the wilderness. You remember this? And uh, interestingly, the, the, the enemy, the accuser, uses Scripture and Bible verses to try to, to try to lure him. So all kinds of things can lure you to the wrong thinking. But Jesus always had replacement. 
He would immediately come back. He always had something else. The, the, the power to free us from this is you need to take the proactive step. Paul goes, whatever is right and pure and praiseworthy and admirable, think about these things. Change the channel. Have the replacement ready. There's no simple way, easy fix, because you've talked to enough people, this is a very real thing. But what you can do is you can retrain your mind to, as they say, not go there. And things will pop back up, and you just keep replacing them. Last thing I'll say is this. Your, your, your support group, whatever that is, is a big part of it. Is a really big part of it. Because this conversation that you will have in your head, if you go to any, it's called a support group of three or two or one friend that you have coffee with, all right? Um, but when you're doing that, they start to, you, you start to verbalize what, what this story is going on. And then a good, if you're in the right friends, well, let me do the wrong friend first. Oh my God, really? And then what? And then they just egg it on. You're like, oh, and I'm sure. It's, yes, he's horrible. And that's validating in some way. And so we go for that. But what we need is like, mm, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you should read it that way. Maybe there's another way to see that. You don't have to go that far down the dumpster. The, and community is a big part of this. I don't think it's an accident that we've gone through this sea long season of isolation and separation, isolation and separation, and there's rising levels of this anxiety. They just go, isolation and separation and anxiety, they're, they're perfect for each other. In other words, we need each other. We need to have these, you need to have prayer. You need to have coffee and fellowship. This is, this is one of the absolute keys to freeing you from anxiety. Why? Because other people can see something completely different that you could never allow yourself to see. Paul was in prison and he writes, the most faith-filled, inspiring couple of paragraphs that you will ever read in your life. And here's the deal. Because to fix anxiety, what most of us want to do is fix the stuff around us. I want to fix my boss. I want to fix my spouse. I want to fix my kid. I want to fix my um, job. I want, to, I want to fix my neighbor the, the problem is here. And here's the thing. You're setting yourself up for failure. Because and there's nothing wrong with going to work. Going to work is good. But trying to f think that I'm going to fix everything around me. And then, then ah, I'm going to have peace. That's not transcendent peace. That's transactional peace. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, you fixed, you fixed uh, the... 
the boss, you, you did this and that. And then, but then the next day, something else changed. The next day, someone else here changed. And that's the, something shifted. You can't, con- that's absolute recipe for continued anxiety. You accept it. That happens. That's part of life. You fix the things that you can fix, right? You get involved or you can get involved. That's, that's good. That's healthy. And then you have to accept the rest. I can't fix this. But to fix anxiety, I have to go in here. I have to go inward. That's the only way to really actually fix it. It's a spiritual thing. And here's all close. Faith is the opposite of anxiety. And that's why I think, if you look at the stats, if I could do a graph, what you would see is declining faith, Rising, what? Now that's just a coincidence, Chris. Sure. Sure. Declining faith, rising, what? This is exactly what's happening. Well, because faith is the opposite of anxiety. Faith, real faith, not I went to church and I checked the box, but faith is like, I trust God. I believe God's going to do, I, I don't know how. I have no idea. Like Mary getting the message from the angel, Lord, may it be as you have said, I am your servant. I don't know. It's putting, your, putting yourself completely into the hands of God. I don't know how. So the other day, uh, I'm trying to um, entertain Charlie for a few hours. Vicky's working. Man, what am, what am I going to do? And so I was like, uh, I, I started to throw some ideas out there, and she wants to watch a video. And I'm like, I don't want to watch these videos all the time. So I want her to go outside and play, you know. And uh, so I'm like, we're, we're going to go somewhere. And I tried a few things. No, Dad, I don't want to. I said, we're going to go on an adventure. I get her in the car. We're going to go on an adventure. She didn't know what that was. I go, what is that? I go, we don't know. We're going to drive, and we may find this, or we may find that. It's an adventure. And we went from one place to the next place. And eventually I stumbled on a couple of great things. Got her laughing and this and that. And we've played and she had fun. And now, now, when we have some spare time, I'll go, you want to go on an adventure? And she goes, really? This is it. What's the adventure? You don't know where you're going. But you, you trust the driver. Hmm? Here's the thing. Here's what faith is. You don't know where you're going. You're living an adventure. But you got to trust the driver. You just got to trust the driver. That the driver wants to take you somewhere good. That the driver has only your best in mind. Right? That's what faith is. Faith is the exact opposite of anxiety. Real faith is just trusting.